Welcome to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am your host, Elizabeth Benton Thompson. If you want to create change in any area of your life, you're in the right place. Together, we'll explore the strategies and tools I've used to lose over 100 pounds, pay off $130,000 in debt, and become a multiple seven-figure business owner. I've supported more than 3,000 women to levels of execution and fulfillment they didn't know were possible. Together, we'll break your past patterns and eliminate the appeal of your excuses so you can get consistent, stay consistent, create the results you want, and enjoy the journey. Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another nap time recording of the Primal Potential Podcast. Christopher is here with me during this hopeful nap time. Man, when you said nap time, I thought I was going to get to take the nap. <laughs> you know, that's not the way this works at all. Um, <clears throat> we are hopeful that the little munchkin who is currently kicking his legs is going to stay asleep for us to get this episode done. So let's dive into it. We have a lot of questions, so we're either going to split them up into two episodes, or we're just going to kind of like rapid fire it. Okay. Uh, am I seeing this correctly? Mm -hmm. Is this a new flavor of GBX protein? Hey, did you not know what it is? Do you know? Uh, it, I'm reading it right now. Okay. I wasn't sure if you if I put it in there. Salted caramel? So this is, you guys know that I'm obsessed with the GBX plant protein, not only because it tastes really good compared to other protein powders, and I've tried like hundreds of them, um, but also... It is super, super clean, so there's no like artificial anything in there, no artificial flavors, no artificial sweeteners. It's really creamy, it's really tasty, and to date, it is the only protein powder on the market that is formulated to give the prebiotics and the phytobiotics that your microbiome needs so that the good bugs thrive. Um, and they have a, it's a limited edition flavor. This salted caramel isn't a forever flavor, it's oh. limited edition. So when it became available a couple days ago, I bought a bunch, thinking that we'd give one away today. Okay. I'm very excited. I have not tried it yet, but it is on its way to me, and I cannot wait. Do you like salted caramel? No, I don't like caramel. Oh, well, more for me. More for me. I'm excited about it. Um, so we're going to give that away at the end of the show. Stay tuned so you don't miss it, because you have 60 days from the date the episode airs to claim your prize. Wonderful. And you'd be amazed how many people don't claim their prize. I don't I'm, get it. I wouldn't Just be amazed. I've, I've seen how many emails don't come in. Anyway, um, the first question was actually about your hat. Because I posted a picture. Hat. A picture of uh, <laughs> or us. Or is it hat? <laughs> us and the baby at the Chris Stapleton concert. And okay. somebody said, I want to know where Chris got his hat. At a store. It's, it's a cowboy hat. It's brown. It's, it's good looking. They said it looks great on you. It yeah, does. Thanks, thanks, everyone. There's like a little independent hat store in well, I mean, it's a Western store in Hyannis. Because they have boots and yeah, they yeah, have Yeah, a Western store. They got vests. We don't know the name of it. Um, no, I don't know the name off the top of my head. But go to Hyannis. It's right next to Anejo. Oh, right. You want to get to like the first real, real question? Sure. Let's talk about food guilt. Let's. I am a health coach that has been through her own weight loss journey. Mm -hmm. I am the healthiest I've ever been, and I'm learning lifestyle eating, which includes incorporating indulgences. Anytime I do indulge, I am left feeling guilty and almost ashamed. I don't know if I'm too accustomed to the dieting or restriction mindset or if I feel guilty about being a coach and eating bad foods. How do I change my perspective about this? I'm like jumping out of my pants to talk about this because the, this gets me fired up. Okay. In how a good way you, or a bad way? Are you mad or are you like No, no, no. I just excited. like this drives me bonkers that people, it said, I feel guilty about eating bad foods. They're not bad foods, right? Like there's, okay, bad is a moral judgment. And when you choose, this is not inherent, when you choose 
to put a moral judgment on an inanimate object like food, you're just, you're just up shit creek without a paddle. So a brownie or ice cream or nachos are not bad, right? I think when we think of that, we're thinking about overindulging. So having a brownie twice a day, every day, probably not a good thing for your health, not a healthy thing, not morally good or morally bad. Just a strip away all of the moral judgment you place on food. What we're talking about is supporting my goals, supporting my health, or not supporting my goals, not supporting my health. And for me personally, and it sounds like for this person too, who said that they want to incorporate occasional, incorporate occasional indulgences, there is nothing bad about having a cookie, a brownie, ice cream, nachos, a margarita every once in a while. So you have to look at what is it that I think makes a food good or bad in the way that I think about it. The way I assign that is, does this make me feel my best? Does this align with who and how I want to be? Like I say this to Chris all the time since we've had Roman, I really want Roman to have healthy, strong, fit parents. That is very, very important to me to grow up modeling that for him. And so as it relates to that, there are foods that either support that or there are foods that don't support that. But having a cookie once a month does not detract from that mission for me. Because for me, and we all set this for ourselves, I want our kids to see us indulging in a way that reflects health and that reflects moderation. So how do you change your perspective on it? You have to decide if you want to continue assigning foods as bad. I don't think of having an occasional indulgence as bad. But if you do, dig deeper into that because I, I think that's a big problem, especially for somebody who's a health coach because hmm. you're going you're gonna to give your own beliefs to your clients. So right. do a little digging there. Next. At what point does self-improvement turn toxic or obsessive or does it ever? I'd like to hear what each of you think on the subject. Well, I will be short and sweet. Please. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I think um, – that it's not ever self-improvement that becomes toxic or obsessive. It's how you think about it that becomes toxic or obsessive. And we talked about this last weekend on the podcast. If you have not listened to last Saturday's episode, we talked about the nuances. Remember that conversation about like, what's the difference between being structured and being rigid right. or being um, like disciplined or being obsessive? It's how you think about it. So I don't believe that it's ever the self-improvement itself that becomes toxic or obsessive. It's your approach to it. Go listen to last Saturday's episode because we dive deeper into that. C. I think I, we're rolling with a like bang it out. I approach. know you've beaten this topic to death, but my biggest struggle is consistency. My practice is uh, my practice of anything is inconsistent. Anything new to infuse my daily practices with some renewed vigor. You don't need something new. Try, try journaling? <laughs> no, I, I and I responded to this person on Facebook where the question came in. I saw. And I, oh, you did? Yeah, last night. Oh. So the notion that I need something new so that I have this fresh approach is the problem. You don't need anything new. And I would love for you to seize this opportunity to not see that new shiny thing because it's that new shiny thing that gives you freshness. Look at what do you already know that you can apply. And here's the deal. Looking for like renewed vigor, you don't need it. You can't rely on it. It's kind of like motivation. Do it when you don't feel like it. Do it when you're in a bad mood. Do it when you're unmotivated because you have to prove to yourself 
that your disciplined effort is independent from your fluctuating emotional state. Hmm. We're going through the like, yeah. rapid fire. I, I, so. like, I like to think of it as I need to be more consistent in my chores, so I'm going to give myself an extra chore now. Makes it really hard, actually, finding something new to keep consistent. I don't understand what you just said at all. Well, I, I, I want to stay consistent in what I've got, uh-huh. so I'm going to add something else onto it. I, I, get, I, I don't think adding something helps you remain consistent. Yeah, she's looking for a different perspective. Ah, uh-huh. yeah. journal. Anyway, Back next to question. Um, let's see. Care- careers topics, possibly? Suggestions on how to actually follow your dreams or passions without it negatively affecting your marriage, finance-wise. So when I decided to start Primal, before I got started and left my job, we got out of debt. So from that perspective... I was giving us a buffer that we would then be in kind of a more flexible place without my salary because, you know, I wasn't sure how long it was going to take to start making money. However, you do not have to leave your job to start something new. If you want to be in a different field or whatever, you you can pursue that while you have your thing. So there are lots of ways that you can minimize a financial risk. And I think getting out of debt is a, is a big one, but I don't want anybody to wait on something if it's going to take years to get out of debt. It took me a year and a half or so, two years, to get out of debt. So if it's going to take you two years or five years or 10 years, don't think that you can't take a risk before then. And here's the, here's the thing. The, the person's asking about like negatively affecting your marriage finance-wise. I don't want people to see a financial risk as a bad thing. I don't want anybody to think that any sort of putting yourself in a, in a risk situation with finances has to have a negative impact on your marriage. I think that risk-taking is very, very important. And I just think that you have to be on the same page about it. There's smart risk and there's stupid risk. I think putting your life savings on the line, probably not, not the best decision for most people. But there are financial, there are always financial risks, right? Like if you buy an investment property, that's a risk. Mm -hmm. It absolutely is a risk. Almost any choice that you make holds some sort of financial risk. So what I would suggest is starting with the notion of like getting more comfortable with what kind of risks you're willing to take and what kind of risks you're not willing to take. Have those conversations as a couple because I don't think the goal is to like make sure that there's no financial risk in your decisions. Right. I always knew like when I left my job and started Primal Potential, I knew that I could either get another job or I could go work at Starbucks and sling coffee. You know, I wasn't ever going to get to a point where we were just screwed. Mm-hmm. So I think risk taking is important. And I think it's healthy. I just think you need to communicate about it and over communicate about it and know where your comfort zone is. Yeah. Like what kind of risks you're. You're, you'd be like up for anything. Yeah, I mean, be prepared for tightening up too. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can't you can't expect to make a take a risk, you know, and be able to maintain the same course you're already taking. Sometimes it does just take getting rid of some luxuries. I mean, we have been in a period of what has felt to me like big financial risk in the last year or so yeah. since I've made massive changes to my business and I've really I've cut my income kind of dramatically. Had to sell the yacht. <laughs> He's joking, folks. No, we going. still have the yacht. <laughs> God, we don't have a yacht. We don't have a, don't have a yacht. All right, let's keep rolling. Uh, we have a Noah's Ark in our backyard. It's a bunch of goats and chickens. <laughs> All right. Um, so how do I ask better questions? Inflection. 
How do I ask better questions? <laughs> you're so strange. I am a strange bird. I start with other people's questions. That's what I started. Like, yeah, if you're ever on social media, you're just or you read a lot. Books are a great way to do this. Find a question that really like, oh, that's a good one, and start there. That's why I put almost 200 questions in Chasing Cupcakes, mm. so use those. I also recently put together a PDF of 75 questions that I think are all amazing. It's $3.99. Spend $3.99. The link is in my Instagram bio, uh, or if you, can't, if you don't have Instagram, just email me. But like, use somebody else's questions. It doesn't have to be mine. You can use the ones in Chasing Cupcakes or the ones in my PDF, or you can just use somebody else's questions. There's yeah. a book called, I think it's like the book, Big Book of Better Questions or something. Um, use other people's questions. I feel like you've talked about so many things that apply to me, so it makes it really hard to ask or suggest anything that you haven't already answered. I've recently made up little personal mantras to say in my head, specific to the person I'm interacting with. It's helped me be a lot more gracious and consider the other person more. Have you tried this or talked about it before? So I haven't talked about mantras specific to another person, but in my upcoming book, Tools for the Trenches, there's an entire perspective, an uh, entire chapter on the perspective of other people because as it relates to Tools for the Trenches, which is a book of like tools that I used in the aftermath of our daughter dying, one of the big things that I struggled with were the actions, inactions, words of other people. And I think that was something that we both kind of had a hard time with after yeah. Dagny died. And so I, I write a whole entire chapter in that book on the Kindles on pre-order right now. The rest of them will be available on or before 1026. Uh, all about understanding that people cannot share our perspective because they do not share our experiences. So there is an entire chapter on that in Tools for the Trenches. Fantastic. I'm curious as to your take on melatonin as a sleep aid. I personally don't like it. I personally wouldn't use it. I Doesn't, also, can it limit your body's yeah, ability see, to naturally thing. produce it? And here's the deal. If somebody's listening and they love and swear by melatonin, great, you do you. I'm not here to talk you out of what you do. Uh, but the thing about melatonin, the reason I don't personally use it, and I wouldn't want you know my kids or, or Chris to use it, Melatonin is a hormone naturally produced by the body. So when we supplement with it, it can inhibit our body's production of it. And then you're just sort of like screwing yourself. So I like things that support my body's natural abilities to produce melatonin instead of things that kind of turn that off. So Sleep Plus is the one that we've talked about and used. Um, yep. I'll link that up. I'm going to make myself a note right now so I don't forget. And Just it, got a new shipment of that in. It did. I really like that because it, it does just what I said. Like it supports your body's natural ability to rest, relax, fall asleep, stay asleep, get in those deeper stages of sleep, but it doesn't mess with your hormones. So I'm not a big fan of, I'm not a fan at all of melatonin. But again, if you love it and it works for you, I think that's fine. Do you. Do you. All right. We got a few more. Let's do the I'm, rapid fire thing. I am always on the self-improvement, professional development, get healthy, stay healthy, et cetera, train. I'm not sure if it's my... Enneagram. Enneagram. An Enneagram? What exactly is an Enneagram? It's one of those things you hate that's like a quiz that tells you about yourself. Oh, I hate those. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if it's my Enneagram type or what, but I'm always looking for <laughs> looking to be better than who I was the previous day. My husband is not at all that same way. Hey, Sounds familiar. Here. Hey, hey, <laughs> let me be friends with your husband. Uh, it. It's not concerning to me except on the health subject. 
He doesn't want to make changes, and when he does start making changes, exercising and eating better foods, it doesn't last long, usually a week or two. I know I can't make him do anything. Sure you can. But how do I help support encourage him? Time to a chair. <laughs> I ask him, and he tells me to just leave him alone, and he will make changes when he's ready. We've been together for seven years, living together for three, married for two. Any advice appreciated? Leave well, him alone. Yeah. Um, Leave him alone. Like, okay, we are so that person, except lately your health, you've been. Set, set an example by doing it yourself. And, and leave uh, him alone. Uh, yeah. Like, don't, don't say a word. Pressure is the worst thing you can put on someone to make them make a change. Well, and here's the deal. When you are basically saying that, like, your priorities and your values should be his, right? Your desire to get healthier and do those things means that he should have that desire and whatnot, and that it's your job to kind of make him see it that way. No, it's not. We're all on our own journey. And when we, even with the best intentions, because I think most of the time these kinds of issues have great intentions, we're basically saying, I need you to do something different. I need you to be different. I need you to value something differently. And it's just not our place. And I learned this firsthand with my mom. Um, and yes, even though I was her child, it gives an undertone message of you're not okay the way you are. And I right. want you to be different. So, and I said this in the Facebook group when this question came in, I agree with your husband, leave him alone. He'll do it when he's ready, if he's ready. And like Chris said, and it's something I've talked about a ton on the podcast, you do you and you be an example and you make him see if he wants to, that that's somehow like a happier way to live and be. It's, it's attraction marketing, hon. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you I show call the... people hun that you don't know. That's annoying. Okay, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> you know me. You can call me sweetie. Um, I mean, it's. You look happier, he's going to want to look happy as well, and he'll do what he has to do to look happy. Yeah, you know, so we've talked about this before, but we were together for a couple of years of you seeing me go to CrossFit five or six days a week, and you never went until one day on your birthday, you were like, you know what, I want to go. Was there something that made you, like, did you think I seemed like I enjoyed it? You never badgering. went. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I... No, no, it was, uh, I mean, you, you would ask, but you'd never be like, oh, if I said no. I mean, it was completely my choice. You just throw the offer. Hey, you want to come with me? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was like, you know what? Let's go. Yeah, but it took years. I mean, yeah, I mean, two, year and a half, two years. Yeah, it's a long time. Yeah, leave him alone. I agree. Bring him a brownie Sunday. What? Yeah, just, you know, make the guy happy for a second. Brownie Sundays. You disagree. How can I forgive myself for getting so overweight? So this, to me, is kind of one of those mm. problem-solution things. You are either focusing on the problem or the solution, and I say this all the time, don't let how you feel about the problem or how you feel about the past distract you from what you can do right now. Channel that. I tell myself this all the time. If I don't like it, I can change it because I don't like my weight right now, for sure. Two pregnancies, two C-sections, and some crappy food choices and inactivity mixed in. I don't feel good about it, but every single time I get stuck in that place, I remind myself, you are in control of this. So instead of giving your energy and your attention to how you feel about the problem or the past or the situation, give that energy to what I can do about it. So I'll say to myself, what can I do right now to create the change that I want? Hmm. Um, is, is it true for real freedom? No. What? You read that wrong. Oh, is true freedom from food addiction actually possible? 
beyond the weight loss. Of course. Because otherwise you think that everybody who's ever struggled with mm. what they perceive to be food addiction yeah, food still addiction. has that. I don't – see, here's the thing. We have to eat. So this is not really – because you could make the case that, like, everybody is addicted to food because if we don't have it, we will die. But I don't – that's really not what's at, state, what's at stake here. It's the, it's the mental – it's the unhealthy emotional attachment to food. And any unhealthy emotional attachment can be broken. I mean, and here's the deal. We have evidence of that all around us, whether that is somebody who – continued to choose to stay in an unhealthy relationship finally leaves or somebody who was addicted to, you know, I don't want to use the example of like some sort of drug because there's definitely like a chemical addiction there, but um, soda, right? Diet soda. And they stop. Or somebody who has been a binge eater for years now has a healthy relationship with food. We have evidence of it probably in millions of people around the world. So very, very simple. Yes. I've noticed that when people around me have high expectations, I tend to freeze up and self-sabotage. But when they leave me alone and let me do my thing without any judgment, I tend to do better. Any advice on how to overcome that barrier? I want to stop that cycle. An example is when I've made the choice to get up and go for early morning bike rides, a family member will say something like, well, it's nice to see you get off your butt and do something. Of course I do things. It's discouraging and I tend to nosedive and not do it anymore. I have no idea why. So I would now see yourself as in the position to take all of those moments where you want to give up because somebody said something you don't like as a chance to practice being consistent. I get it. We can either be encouraged or we can be discouraged. And the way these people talk to you is discouraging, but you can still do it being discouraged. So every single time that you are now in that moment where somebody says something and you want to be like, well, screw you, then I'm not going to do it. You have an opportunity in that moment to choose a different way. Do not let your health and your self-improvement be in the hands of somebody else. You can do it discouraged. You can do it annoyed. You can do it feeling angry. And you have to because it's not for them. It's for you. Do not let your potential, and your future self be in the hands of somebody else. You can expect it now. This is a pattern. They're probably going to say something that's going to put your walls up and you're going to want to sit in a corner and not do the thing. Great. You're going to defy that. Every single moment that you are in is an opportunity to do it anyway when you feel discouraged. This is for you. This is not for them. They have nothing to do with it. You do you. Yeah. And take the high road and say nothing and do you or take the low road and Tell them you're showing them an example on how they can improve themselves because they're clearly not doing anything either. You don't know what they're doing. Hey, it doesn't matter. If they're, if they're willing to do that, they're probably doing nothing. Oh, my goodness. In I got your back. Last question. Good morning, Elizabeth Benton. Here's my question. How do you reward yourself when you've reached a goal? I usually don't. Soft, like I finished. Soft serve ice cream. I do love soft serve ice cream, but like when I finished my second book, um, we've gone out to dinner. Um, but well, I mean, we go out for dinner anyway. Like yeah. we've not done anything. Like hey, let's celebrate that you wrote a book. Like we haven't done. I'm trying to think of like most recent goals that uh. I've achieved. I'm not really. I, I I don't need that. That's not. Yeah, that's, that's not, not your driving force. And and here's the deal. If if you want that, then ask yourself what would be a good reward. But. When I hit like a big financial milestone or when I think about... Um, the milestone is the reward. Yeah, I guess that's how I feel. Um, 
I was looking back to see I had I had a record sales day uh, sales day in my business um, maybe nine or ten months ago, and I'm just kind of the like cool next you know that, that's just me I'm not a it does not encourage me to go celebrate it. I think what Chris said is exactly right. The fact that I hit it is the reward yeah. and that's all I need. That's the celebration. And and so I don't, for me personally, I don't need that. But if you do, that's awesome. Finishing your second book, that that was the reward. Yeah. But I mean, also the sales. So please go out and buy a copy. <laughs> no, it Toast really, no. And you know what? I was saying this to somebody the other day. I really don't care at all how this book sells. To me, the fact that I wrote it in the hardest year of my life by a hundred million times is is the satisfaction yeah. you know like i feel very very proud of that mm-hmm. even if the book you know sold a million copies or it sells two copies the fact that i in in a time where i could barely get up and get out of bed that i put together a tool to help other people like that is just satisfying in and of itself yeah so yeah i'm not a big are you a reward person not really yeah we're no. just kind of like okay next kind of people yeah i don't i'm not a oh gosh i did something um but you heard it, folks. Two copies. Buy two copies each. Uh, it's <laughs> pre-order on Audible. No, it's Get not even. It. Why are you saying that? It's not a pre-order on Audible right now. You're just confusing people. When's it available? 1026. Hear that, folks? 1026. Get out there and buy two copies. Anyway. Our, um, <laughs> we have before we tell the winner, I want to tell you guys how you can win. There's three ways to win. We give something away every single Saturday. Number one leave a review of this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Number two, leave a review of Chasing Cupcakes or very soon a review of Tools for the Trenches on Amazon. Uh, or number three, share on social media an episode of this show that you are loving or listening to. Make sure to tag me so that I see it and then we will randomly select somebody every single Saturday to win something. And today it's the freaking Salted Caramel GBX, which I'm beyond pumped about. It really is. Our winner is at Jen Mathis underscore crafts. Oh, very cool. I bet you I wonder what her crafts are. Uh, she probably makes things. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, yeah, Jen Mathis underscore crafts. Email me, Elizabeth at primalpotential.com. Within 60 days of this episode, let me know that you were the winner for episode 922. Include your mailing address and I will get it out to you. Congratulations, Jen. And the baby stayed a week, the whole, stayed asleep the whole time. And congratulations, everyone else who got to listen today. High five. Chick, chick. Chick, chick. I don't Let's... know what the hell that was. <laughs> so weird. Let's end this thing before I say something else. <laughs> Bye, guys. Uh... Have a good one. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed it, make sure to take a few seconds to leave a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening. It not only supports the show in a huge way, but it also automatically enters you into our weekly product giveaway. For more tools, tips, and strategies on creating change, check out my first book, Chasing Cupcakes, and follow me on Instagram at Elizabeth Benton. Remember, every choice is a chance, and I'll see you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.